0: Welcome to this week's edition of The Green on Delaware Public Media. I'm your host, Tom Byrne. Delaware's work to create a legal recreational marijuana industry is well underway. Leading those efforts is recently appointed marijuana commissioner Rob Koop, who is currently working to finalize recreational market regulations. His goal is to distribute all necessary business licenses in time to get the market up and running by March 2025. This week, Delaware Public Media's Sarah Petrowich sits down with Commissioner Koop to discuss that timeline and other issues.
1: Give me an overview of the timeline for getting the recreational marijuana industry up and running. Like, what are we looking at right now?
2: Sure. So some of the target dates are already established in the code. So they were established by HB2, and they appear in Delaware code. The first goal that we have, though, is to get our rules and regs up and running. And our target date for that is July 11th of this year, 2024. Once that happens, then we move into the application phase. And that is targeted to start September 1st of 2024. And then from there, we progress into the issuance of licenses. So October 1st will be the target to start issuing licenses. And then the code specifically says November 1st for cultivation licenses. December 1st for our manufacturing licenses, and then March 1st of 2025 is the target for 30 retail licenses and five testing facility licenses.
1: So there's 125 licenses in total to give out, right? Each for those different groups you were just talking about, different parts of the process, cultivation, manufacturing, testing, and then those retail locations. So 47 of those are designated to be social equity licenses. Can you explain what a social equity license is and how that application process is unique?
2: A social equity license has specific criteria. And the criteria is that first, that the individual was either arrested for a marijuana-related crime or one of their relatives, immediate household member, was arrested for a marijuana-related crime, up to a certain level that's referred to as Tier 3, which has a specific weight, would qualify. Another way to qualify is that they've resided for five of the last 10 years in an area that's identified as disproportionately impacted. And by that, it's defined in the code in that these are areas where there was a high um, amount of arrests, convictions, possibly confinements where the individuals were sentenced. And we have to create that map using data from DELGIS, which is, will be from police reports and arrest records. No personal information, just raw uh, anonymized data. Uh, that data will be laid over a map, and then there'll be another overlay on the map, and that will be for census tracts. And then by census tracts, we should be able to identify areas that are considered a hotspot, and that'll give us our areas that are designated as disproportionately impacted. So we're working on that project right now. So they're working with us, and we're hoping to get that done in the next couple weeks.
1: Right. And your office is also currently looking into the possibility of a conversion license for established compassion centers, otherwise known as the medical marijuana retail locations. And this would allow those existing centers to begin selling recreational marijuana. And the potential positives could be that the recreational market is up and running sooner, and with the additional licensing fees, this could bring in more money for the state, right? But the public has also brought up concerns for fairness of competition, and your office brought up the fact that these current locations may not be able to handle the influx in patients that quickly. So talk to me a little bit about this, and if you do decide to implement a conversion license, what are some potential steps that can be taken to mitigate these concerns?
2: So yes, the conversion license is a proposal that we've put forward to the members of the General Assembly. They're considering it because it will take legislative action. Currently, the way the legislation was written, the Adult Use Recreational Program operates independently of the Office of Medical Marijuana or the Medical Marijuana Program. It's not effective for either program to have those separate. The plan that we are proposing is to combine the Office of Medical Marijuana into our office at the Office of Marijuana Commissioner, combine them in and then create a pathway for those license holders to come under us. And what we're proposing through a conversion license is that pathway where they would pay a specific fee, an application fee for a conversion license and that would bring them under the Office of the Marijuana Commissioner as far as their license goes and allow them to sell the product to medical patients and adult use recreational patients. Some of the concerns that were, have been raised from the public, as you heard at the meeting, are that those medical marijuana licensees are already in the business and that we would be giving them an unfair advantage by, by giving them this conversion license. We're looking at it from our perspective as the state, and that is that that creates a, a really solid foundation for us for cultivation, manufacturing, and retail, as you pointed out. Currently in the state, there's 13 retailers in the medical marijuana field. So that gives us a good foundation to start with. And as you mentioned about the supply and demand, right now they're serving 17,000 customers. That's roughly how many are in our medical marijuana program, although that number is declining. They're providing for them. Even if they doubled their output, that's still under 40,000 people that they could serve and we anticipate that we'll have at least 85,000 adult-use recreational customers, probably more. So there's there's still a lot to make up there. So we don't see them as taking the whole market, but they would be a supplement to it. We're also considering that their conversion licenses would not be part of the competitive license process That we were just talking about with the 125 licenses that are in the code. So they would be separate, they would be supplemental, so to speak, to those licenses. And the other thing that we'll be able to do through this conversion process is control when they actually can start selling to the adult use market. So unlike what other states have done where they have converted those licenses immediately, they've started sales immediately to adult use recreational and medical customers, if we're not able to meet the market demands, our medical patients might not be able to get the marijuana that they're taking for medicinal purposes. So We don't want that to happen. We don't want folks to go to stores and have them to sell out. We don't want outrageously long lines because there's only 13 locations. So we see them as, as a supplement to the total uh, prop, the total program, but we don't see them as a replacement. And the other thing we can control is the, the date we roll them out. So we can wait till some of the other licensees are ready, and when we decide that there's enough retailers if we open that it would be fair and we'll have a a competitive market, then we can time the conversion license to be effective at that time.
0: Thanks to Delaware Marijuana Commissioner Rob Koop for joining us on The Green this week. Another key voice on marijuana legalization in Delaware is Democratic State Representative Ed Ozinski. He was the primary sponsor of House Bill 2, which legalized recreational marijuana last year and he's currently pursuing further legislation to expand access to medical marijuana and help kickstart the recreational market. Delaware Public Media's Sarah Petrowich also sat down with Osinski recently to talk about his upcoming cannabis bills and the impact of towns exercising their right to ban marijuana-related business.
1: So you were the primary sponsor on the Marijuana Control Act, which legalized recreational marijuana in Delaware around the middle of 2023. We are slowly approaching a year since it's been enacted, but new timelines are implying dispensaries won't be operational until around next year, kind of around this time next year. So, what has it been like watching the progression of this bill's implementation, and what are your thoughts on how that process has been developing?
3: Well, since the bill took effect without the governor's signature, I have been pleased that he didn't hesitate and he appointed a commissioner, Commissioner Coop, and I've been very pleased. With his progress, he has really hit the ground running, him coming from law enforcement. His concern was that we made marijuana legal, but we did not have a legal market in place at the time. So he's been very full speed ahead in trying to get this up and running. And he's pointed out quite a few little technical changes in HB2, which we have worked together to get that drafted, and we might be filing that as soon as next week, and that's going to help him get the regulations complete and and get the industry up and running.
1: Another bill that you're currently sponsoring is House Bill 285, which is expanding access to medical marijuana in Delaware. It's passed in the House. It was by a vote of 26 yeses and 10 noes, so with some abstentions. Can you tell us a little bit about this bill, kind of the general idea, general points that it's hitting, and what you've heard
3: from colleagues in terms of support for it? Well, we've heard from the Compassion Center operators throughout the process of getting HB 1 and 2 passed that they were concerned the recreational market would harm the medical cannabis businesses in Delaware. So we do want to make sure we don't harm them with HB2. So we were listening to their concerns and we think HB285 will address some of their issues until they can transition into the recreational. Since Maryland and New Jersey has went up, their their recreational marijuana um, industry has opened up in New Jersey and Maryland, they've seen a decline in medical patients already. So we, did, we made those changes to allow folks 65 and older to self-certify. If you're under 65, you can uh, go to any medical professional. We remove the list of de- debilitating illnesses. And if a medical professional feels cannabis would help in, with their ailments, they can prescribe it. That's going to expand medical card holders. And also, we're allowing them to have a one-, two-, and three-year card, which will reduce the cost because those that are under 65 still have to go to a medical professional, make an appointment, pay for the visit to get their card. So now they can get a card that would be up to three years if they want.
1: And there was a little bit of, you know, maybe initial confusion or questions, I think, a lot about that self-certification for 65 and older. How have you seen the reception with your colleagues of allowing seniors to self-certify for medical marijuana?
3: You know, not everybody understands cannabis, and I've been following it for almost eight years because I was working on this legislation. So I've read a lot of articles. I feel very confident that we're not putting Delawareans in danger by allowing this but not all my colleagues have that understanding. So naturally they're concerned. They feel this is a a drug and we're allowing somebody to basically self-prescribe without seeing a doctor. But I think as they learn and they understand this more, and we did have the support of our medical commissioner to make this change. So I think this is gonna be a positive thing. And then once, like you said, in a year, we get recreational business up everybody's going to have access. The thing we wanted to do with patients 65 and older, by allowing them to self-certify, they can go to the dispensary, get medical, and they're not being charged a 15% tax. So it also saves our seniors some money for this.
1: So transitioning yeah, back into recreational, You wrote an opinion piece on this about just sort of how a dozen municipalities in Sussex County roughly have already banned marijuana-related business, and we're also seeing that in Newcastle County now. And on top of all that, earlier this month, the Sussex County Council proposed that only certain zoning designations would allow cannabis facilities. So talk to me about the implications of these citywide bans on marijuana-related business and these new potential zoning ordinances and, and what they could mean for Delawareans trying to access recreational marijuana.
3: Yeah, it does concern me. I mean, and I'm hearing their arguments or their reasonings bring back a lot of what I heard in debate when we tried to get legislation passed HB2. I think it's a lot of uh, not understanding cannabis, but I look at it as something that's actually safer than alcohol, but nobody's putting in special zoning ordinances for liquor stores or alcohol distribution. And plus, some of the communities in in Sussex County, the the residents are so close to Maryland, they're going to be just driving them across state lines to purchase it if they don't allow it in their jurisdictions. So it is concerning, and I think it causes some problems. But we're going to try to work around that. um, And then, you know, hopefully they'll realize once this gets up and running and they can go back and change their ordinances.
1: And then finally, getting back to that cleanup bill you're talking about that you said could be proposed as early as next week or sometime soon, you know, talking about ways to change regulations in the industry or things that you guys have been working on to just clean up the initial Marijuana Control Act. What are some highlights there and like what can Delawareans be looking for?
3: Well, one concern the commissioner has heard from other states is the Delaware residency requirement. There's been some big operators, nationwide operators that feel that restricts them to entering the market in Delaware. These are multi-state operators. So they have filed uh, lawsuits against states that had residency requirements. We do have residency requirement language in HB 2 we felt we wanted to make sure that this legislation gave Delawareans an opportunity to get into this industry. So we are looking at language to basically remove that residency requirement.
0: Thanks to State Representative Ed Osinski and our Sarah Petrowich for joining us on The Green this week. And stay with us. The Green continues in a moment with a look at the future of snow days now that remote learning is an option. You're listening to The Green on Delaware Public Media.